Hopefully. Okay, we're in Malachim Beis, Perichav Gimel, Pasuk Aleph. We now have the very positive, energetic reaction to the charged Nevoah with pointed bad news. On the pending Chorban, it's important to realize that there are various levels of Xeras, as we mentioned last week. Yoshio correctly thinks that certainly there's a strong Havamina, as difficult as it might be, to take the Nevoah that spoke about the Xeras due to all the Averis in the past, similar to the Nevoah given after Menashe, even though Menashe did Tshuva, the purpose of the Nevoah was to point out that ABC will happen if there isn't a major change. And I mentioned that a couple of times because the very end of Bayasrishan with Sikpio, which we will Mitzvah get to, there was a direct Nevoah from Yemio Anavi to Tzitkio that you should surrender and there will be a Chorban. And that Nevoah was not a message to make a diak that if we really do tshuva and fix something up, there's not going to be a Chorban. Now that sounds confusing. Most of them are of type A. That was type B. And the message was there's going to be a Chorban. How do you make this happen in a way where more people will survive. You will survive, you Tzitkio. Your children will survive. Godabel will surrender. The Kapar will be in the humiliation of the surrender and all the things that will happen, but you will survive. And more will survive. And Tzitkio, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves now, inherently was a tzaddik, was not strong enough to stand up to most of his men who for misguided nationalistic reasons felt it doesn't pass to surrender. I'm mentioning it now for two reasons. I want to contrast this Nevoah that Yoshio correctly understood that even though the Nevoah said there's going to be a Chorban and it's all over, we're going to call Klaes all together and start doing massive tshuva, as Chizkiyo Amel did successfully against Ashur. Second part, ironically, is that Similar to what Tzitkio will do later, although it's not going to bring the Chorban now, Yoshio, after a very successful Chufa movement and Malchus and eradication and obliteration of all the Avodah will be so confident that he turned things around that he's going to, against the Diukim of what he should have made from the Navi, and we will hopefully finally explain after many Ramazim on many uh, various years of Tisha B'av, what exactly, what the misunderstanding was and what he was supposed to ask, what he was supposed to understand, what he didn't understand, that's very complicated. One of the most complicated shaylas at the end of Malachim Beis, and we never fully treated it because I was waiting to get up to it. But the end result will be that the message was not surrender, just let him through. He wasn't coming to fight you, Paro. Paro he wasn't coming to fight you. He said so himself, and this time he's telling the truth. Even though he was a pretty big Russia with all sorts of other nefarious intents. Uh, we'll see later when we see Divya Yamin. Karnachad says, what's, what's your problem? And he says, it's almost business I'm not coming to fight you today. That's an interesting word. Like, not like we're friends and what's your Havamina and I'm just passing through and are we allies? He said, no, 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 no. I'm not coming to fight you today. I'm going up north to fight Asha. Why don't you just let me through? 
that didn't raise the comfort level of Yoshio and Melech either. And he thinks, based on what we're going to start seeing today, that things are going so well, he can rely on Chev, and we're not going to lose. Tzitkiyo was far less convinced, it's just that his men were convinced that they should fight to the death, even though they knew they weren't going to win, and the word to the death. And they believed, reminiscent, unfortunately, of, I don't know, Pek Masada. That's an oversimplification, but we don't have such a thing as slavery versus freedom, therefore life versus death. That's not a partial equation. There are cases where that's true, but that's not what's going to happen in time of and then the Navi said not so. And over here, it was a simpler message, but not stated outright, that he's not even coming to fight you, and this is not the time for the Chorban, and you are turning things around, you just need more time. So we're going to get back to that at length. Right now, we're at the beginning positive movement where he will do a tremendous amount, uh, things that have, haven't been done in a long, long time. And it begins with a big meeting. Normally, uh, we're probably all experienced in meetings. I'm a big believer many meetings either don't accomplish or have to be well thought through beforehand. You have a board meeting, and they call it board meetings for a reason, hence the name board meeting, even though it's a different uh, type of the word. Uh, now, David, you've been to a few? It just crunch numbers, a lot of, a lot of mathematic uh, uh, theory. Or <laughs> you've been to many. I, I pick you because, you know, in corporate, they're, they're, uh, they're known for this. So here he's calling a meeting, but he's going to do all the talking. There's not going to be a discussion of let's discuss, should we bring back terror mitzvahs? Should we uh, try to get better at it? What should we do with all these idols sitting around? He's not going to bar Hashem. This is going to be a one-way conversation. And he, as the king, as powerful kings are supposed to be saying and doing, if they're tzaddikim, they're supposed to be enforcing halacha. Kviyadatit, in a positive way. He's going to let them know this is the way we're doing things from now on. That's a productive meeting. And he's going to call it now. The Nevi'im over here, who were they? He didn't call Yirmi, I mean, maybe he did. But unfortunately, the Nevi'im, Lush and Rabin, are uh, the Nevi'im who are up to no good. The Kainim are... Many of them kind of priestly descent, but unfortunately not a very good track record what they were doing thus far. Yes? Uh, yeah, but unfortunately there were enough uh, the VM. Uh, yeah, the doc refers to it, uh, the uh, Seferim, but that's not the only uh, the only possibility because you had the VM who were... Yeah, right. That's what they were, by the way. But he, he, uh, you look at the Vedak, he's, he's Bavarnidus, that's why he says uh, uh, Talmidim. Nobody here, they're all good people, Pintaliyid, nobody here exactly knew what they were supposed to be doing. That's why you're going to see very soon the Kainim are asked to come back to do their duties. And the ones that were Kainim for the various Bamas were three quarters of the way relieved of their duties, not allowed to practice. They were still brilliant move. He's been just going to allow them to have their matmas kahuna. Even though he's not allowing them to do a vodah, why don't we look at that as payment for 
the Avodah, he was very, very smart, and he realized if you take that away, you're just going to sow more rebellion and frustration, take away their only Panasa, and he wanted to keep them in the fold. You'll see very soon that he's going to uh, tread very carefully with them. The first thing he does is he starts reading the thing that got him moving. Remember, they found this place safe area. It was Niglo open to the exact spot about the Tochacha and what's going to happen to the king and the people and the Gullus, the pending Gullus if they do Averis and don't fix it up. And he wants them to hear it and be as moved as he was. The only small difference will be that somebody with a hilig in the shama who wants to grow will be very moved by something that is there to move him. And then you have a million people, there's going to be various gradations of how moved they are. Everybody's going to listen to some extent because he's the king and you got to listen to the king. This is not a democracy. And that's good. What's not going to work as quickly is the internal thinking and working with the people and the Soviet Sahar for Valazara and they're walking the walk and talking the talk and cooperating but deep down not all of them are going to be with the program so quickly and that's going to cause uh, havoc later on with the decision whether to go to war. He gathers them in the base of Mitzvah. She stands by the Ahmed Rashi says that's the place where only Malchus Beis David we're allowed to be. Rashi, you take a look in Gimel. Allah Ahmed, Malka, Maimed, Amalek, Besamiti. She's actually about a sick because only Shiva Bazar, Malka, Besamiti. But he had a Malkam, and this is where he's going to read from. Picture Hakel. Yaman Amalek, Allah Ahmed, Yichros, S. Abris, Lefein Hashem, Lechas, Achar Hashem, Lishma, Mitzvesav, Yosef, Desav, S. Lukaitza, Bechol, Leib, Bechol, Nefesh. He means it, he's passionate about it, and he's decreeing that. Everybody has to be makabal again, the mitzvahs, like a simulated Kabbalah Satera. And all the mitzvahs, the ones they understand, the chukim, they don't understand, and it has to be internal, b'cholev, b'chol nefesh. L'hokim is divri abris ha'zai, saksum malsefer ha'zem. V'yamad kola on bris, and they all agreed and entered the bris. V'yitzav ha'melech es tokiyo ha'kain, ha'gadol v'yitzchayne ha'mishnem. Gets the kind together, the kind of Mishnah actually says, uh, the Skane Kuhuna, which means they had a number of vice presidents, which Lahavdo, they still have today, usually any good operation of a president, you can have a number of vice presidents doing different things. So there wasn't, there was only one kind of There wasn't only one Skane Kuhuna. That's clearly Rashi's Skane Kuhuna, Shahim Shniyam, the kind of Gedalim. Who the Shamri Asaf Rashi says, they were people who were Mamuna and Tzarecha Abayis. Again, various officers, and Rashi says, they had all the keys of the Azara. We like to think that locks were a modern invention. We're always talking about keys in Constantinople. Up to the end when Yechania will, before he goes into Gullah, says before Tzitzia, will throw up the keys. Various versions of hand came down, and they just had to come down. Gravity. The keys. Mishnah is describing the Beis described a bathroom with a very modern, unique apparatus. And they had a lock, and when it was in position, you had to know people in there, and you couldn't use it. We take that for granted. And there were locks, and there were keys, and there were a lot of people in charge of various departments. It was a big operation. 
So back to the Pusik, this Kaina Anishna, Shami Asaf, Lahitsi Mehechal Hashem, it's called Akelam Asurim, Abal Hashem, Lachot Slash Mayim. He said, Do a search and destroy mission. Refreshing point out, this is done already at the time of Christian Melech. The prayer was done when Menashe did tshuva for 30 plus years. Because it says it was done. Apparently Menashe didn't do such a great job and there were still things around. He tried, but the mood of the people wasn't such. He sent people to do it. It wasn't completely done. If they're going to look now and find anything, even though it's not a tall idol standing in the center of the room, and this time he's not going to move them around. Menashe's mistake was he moved it from here to there, but they were still being used. The people found them. Here he's going to search and absolutely destroy, obliterate, burn, grind down, whatever he has to do. He's going to make such a ration over here. He's going to burn them, and then he's going to carry the ashes, not a couple of ashes. Picture the men whole committee over here and they're going to be carrying boxes and crates of ashes all the way to base L. Why would he do that? That wasn't the, the local disposal area. Base L was the Mokham of the Avodazara, the seat of Avodazara in the SS Ashwat. And remember the Gemara says Yeshiel now is the king over everybody. You find the area and those from the SS Ashwat moved, moved back and they didn't have the kingdom anymore and they were under his jurisdiction. And you can see from the coming Sukkim, it's very clear that he had full control over the area. He's going to go himself to prove the point. Didn't send Shlichim over here. And he's going to take the ashes from the Avodazar found the Yehuda and he's going to use it in Basel. We're going to see in a moment exactly how he's going to use it. He's going to use it to be Matame here. doesn't mean as in Tumor Vatayra. It means to defile. The defile usually means defiling something holy. Really, some, taking something that was treif and Tumor to begin with. He's going to use it to sprinkle on the Mokon Azbeach of Yeruvam, the original. Sarafalav is Kaine Abomus, and he's going to take, not the Kaine, the priests of the Bomus. These aren't real Kaine, some of them were. He's going to take the bones that were there and burn them on the remains of this altar. I'm using the English because I don't want people to confuse Kainim with priests and the Mizbech with the altar. This is uh, Yeruvam's altar. It didn't have a den of a Mizbech. It was Shkutechutz. The whole thing was awesome. But he's going to make a very important uh, Roshem with the visual aid of taking the ashes from here, bringing it all the way over there, and using it together with the other ashes and the bones of the old Kainim who were buried there. Uh, that's uh, something he's going to do personally. Yes? Yes. There are other ways to do it, and he's using it here. He's taking, there's certainly no chiv to schlep the ashes to a different city and use them to sprinkle on the areas. He was trying to show the people this is our view of Avodah and uh, you have to ridicule and you have to show that it has no place in society. Not just moving them, I mean, just by burning them. Yeah, well, the ashes now, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's doing it for. for the effect, yeah. I'll show you. You have to. You have to really burn it. You can grind it down if you disperse all the uh, stuff later on. It's gone. You can't possibly get it. But that wouldn't serve purpose of the people who aren't here yet, and the, all the people who are the originals who are now back in Basel. Those are the better ones of Rosh Hashanah, by the way, because they came back with the Yemiyo. That means they want to be part of something. 
Afalpikain, they weren't important over here because you'll see soon they were witness to where the tzaddikim were buried with the rasham were buried on one side they were going to find. And uh, they're going to have the Messiah of the Nevoah that was given then, that at a later time, Emel Tzaddik will come and burn the bones of all the Rishayim. And he's the Tzaddik, and it's going to happen now. So he's doing it, not that he has to, and it's not to bring it over there. He's doing it for this, uh, for this effect. Rashi says, Let's see, Pasuk Hey. Before Vehishmis, as a Kamar, Meshanosnu, Malfi Yehuda, Vyakta Babam, as Bari Yehuda, and the Sibi Yushalayim. He takes the Galachim and he uh, retires them early. Uh, they were used to be Makta and the Bamas. You remember from all of Malachim, they thought this is holy work because the Bamas were once Mutter and they looked at it with nostalgia. And the Bamas had a certain amount of Kedusha, which is why nobody really ever totally got rid of them until now. He's going to get rid of the people who were using it and the actual bombas. And then there were those who actually did it l'shem avodah straight. One's a chiv misa, one's a chiv skila, one's still shchut lechutz. These days shemayim, not much better. The reich l'mazolos l'chol tzfar shemayim. The yedzi es hasherim beis hashem yichutz yishulayim anachal kidrim v'yisul asam anachal kidrim yodak la'afar. Yashlich esafara al kever ha'am, and again, he used the remains of what was here to sprinkle on top of the kavarim of all the rishayim buried around here, around Yehuda, to again ingrain the population what we think of them. He's doing all this personally, and the pasuk keeps making mention of this. Travel then wasn't easy. The king doesn't usually go around overseeing an operation involving soot. That's what's going on over here. And he did it before he did Ba'atzmai. Zayin Vita says, Bate HaKadeshim Asher Bebeis Hashem. They weren't in the base of Mitish, but you had together, unfortunately, in tandem with the Barazara came Arias also, and they had Beis Zainus around, and he destroyed those also. Rashi and Zayin, is Bate HaKadeshim, Bate Azima. And at that point, they weren't actually used as a Beit but they had women still using the premises, making Urias, Rashi says. They were weaving, very interesting contrast to the parshas we just had about the Nashim Sitkani as weaving the Urias for the Mishkan. Nashim Argesham Batim La They were making these Urias for the Asherah. And he got rid of them, destroyed the premises. For Yahweh, as this is all over the place. Everybody wanted their own. It was, uh, I guess, considered a yichus, unfortunately, to have a real kain working in your backyard and your back deck on Obama. That gave it chashivas. And all these kainim, and these are real kainim, we're doing the wrong thing. It's a mitzvah shamayim. He destroys the bombas. That was a particular gate. It was known when you came in. You can use that particular bomb, which is very popular, Asher al-Small Ish Bishar Ha'ir. It's very uh, chilling that this is something that everybody knew about. You really want to go to a Chosh just walk in the gate on the left side. And this was used for many years, and he even got rid of that, which means he was so strong a king that he was able to get rid of popular icons that the people used and loved and were very emotional about. And he couldn't care less, and he shouldn't care less. It doesn't make a difference. He felt uh, he was doing Ratzon Hashem, which he was. And... Was Cheryl wasn't concerned about assassination? 
the good news is he was a giber, and that's why he did, Chizkiyot did these things also, Manash himself did it. It wasn't as thorough. And this will be complete, complete enough that he really feels that there's mamish nothing left. There's no place I didn't go. There's no stone I didn't uh, turn over. Problem is, he didn't get any sent reps to all the houses. He didn't get behind all the doors. That's going to be the problem. But that's why he's the first real havamin of a person who felt, I can't do anymore. It must be all gone, as entrenched as it was. And unfortunately, we're going to find out it was more entrenched than even he imagined. Now he makes his takana. He says, all the kainim involved, which was the vast majority of them, involved in all these shenanigans with the shkudichutz and the bamas and everything else, are now posel avaydom. We will allow them to have matzahs. Matzahs is just a reference to many. Mincha will have matzahs and the various things. They can eat whatever kind of can eat, which means they can still partake of the matzahs kahuna. And these uh, pieces that are edible from the avaydom, and that was done with a very, very brilliant calculation, as I mentioned before, that, well, first of all, the kainim can have kids, Mitzvah who will be kainim, and you don't want to lose the families in the future deris. You can't use them because they're well-known people who were sacrificing things on Bomas and, and worse, and so you can't use them, but you don't want to bounce them out, and you also don't want them to become Mahal Shabbos and completely put them in harem. Chayim is important too. You've got to know when to use it, when it's going to be effective. And he felt over here, not only am I not doing that, I'm going to keep their pranasa. And they're allowed to partake. A baumum, can't you avoid, they can also partake. What? They can't. There's technically the Kayanim, there's something called Chuva. You have a guy who's married to a Grusha. So in Mad Grusha, we don't allow him to do the Avaida. But if he already makes a, a neder that he's divorcing even before the divorce, he's already okay. If he's doing tshuva, he's okay. A balmum lies a balmum camp, and then he goes back. So they're still kind of him, and Midaray said you can get this. Uh, yeah, he's not doing any. Well, you can't do hefkadeis and hefkarim kachim anyway. Yeah, Midaray said they they can. Just as a public position, you don't want these people spearheading the new effort in Ruchnius because it's a chil Hashem. So, there's a difference between somebody technically who can get, you know, you have somebody who can't get an aliyah. Well, it's still a raging debate. Chathila, certainly somebody's machal Shabbos. is a tension, but it's not. Many places uh, doing Kirov do give them aliyahs. Maybe out of town need them for the minion. It depends where, even as well as that, it depends where you are and what the need is and what's known about him. But it's more Shiloh of the public stance. What are you giving a Hesha temple on? It's not, he believes in Hashem, you could say the bracha. That's not the, that's not the issue. It's a question of what are we publicly showing we care about or we don't care about. Yes? Aren't they chutz and the bum, as I mentioned, is mizdeh shemayim. So there's no chaimis on that. Some of them did worse because the pasuk keeps going from the bummers, which was the biggest problem. Is even relatively better people thought this was more kosher, and people doing active others are were chaimis So you had a lot of chayim who remember the besamikdash was in somewhat dis- disrepair, and there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm. Hashem, they always had the avodah, but not that many chayim were involved in that for many years, and they were doing this instead, and there was a big demand for it. That was a job of sorts, and 
Something like, you know, getting the job by Pesalichi if you're not too enthusiastic about it. So yes, it was a Chimiz Neshamayim, and it was atrocious, and that's why he didn't allow them ever to do the Avedah again. But he didn't take away their Panasa because he didn't want to lose them completely. So that's a, that's a very delicate uh, dance to have to do, but he did it well. Yeah. If there's Eid Masra, so then he's going to get rid of them. You'll notice something. There's a very conscious omission in this whole parak of what he did in his derech here. It's not a conscious omission. The Pesach didn't report it. The Pesach didn't report it. It didn't happen. We don't find him, not saying it didn't happen at all, we don't find him killing many people. He keeps burning people, but those are dead people who died a while ago. And he's sprinkling ashes on their kever to make a point, and he's burning old kainim bummer from Yeravim ben Avot's time, a long time ago. And he's making a very impressive show of force. I'm not saying he didn't kill anybody. If you had people, they didn't you have to bring them to Basin. And I'm sure he had some opposition, and he had to get rid of them. But you don't find, and we have Tzadikim in the past, who had to literally get everybody in the house and kill everybody because there's no other way to do it. He felt this would work. I'm mentioning that because he was trying to build up Klai Yisrael and eradicate Avodah at the same time. It's a very delicate balance. And if you kill all the people in Oval, then you have nobody from Klai Yisrael left, Rahman or not a strong nucleus, then you, haven't, you might have gotten rid of the bad people, but you don't have anybody from Klai Yisrael who you don't have enough people to rebuild. He's not trying to do that either. So it's a delicate balance, and some of Hershim suggests that at the end of the day, he did as phenomenal a job as anybody could possibly do. Nobody even came close. Where he fell short is going to have to be discussed because he didn't make it. He's going to be killed in the middle of his Avedah. <laughs> and some suggest that Haladover, who in the Pasuk, there weren't any live casualties who were not alive after he finished, and maybe the hand was a bit too soft. Now, in our American view of things, no, you just uh, speak a lot, give a lot of drushes, and have a cephas, and, uh, and scatter ashes all over the place. That's already traumatic enough, and you don't have to get that deadly. He thought so, and he was trying to accomplish this very delicate balance. Lamaisa, the end of the day, there's a reason why there were enough people with the Vodazars behind their door, and he didn't find them. So, this is all 2020 hindsight, but that's not my comment. The Mepharshim point that out. That he was trying to be very careful about that, and in life it's hard to strike an exact balance. He was maybe too soft in certain areas, and the people who should have been cheshed were not going to cave in, and after all the drushes you had to really get rid of, he didn't, and those are the people who caused his death. So, that's, uh, if that's what you were asking, that's the answer. But um, we'll, we'll see that in due time. Yes? I think also it's possible that maybe he learned the example of what not to do from the, the, I remember who was there. Yeah. He took over after Ahab's family and went ahead and... and uh, the Navua was that he should do that. Right, but the thing, but what happened was because he wasn't able to toll the line himself, he ended up being held responsible for all the... Because all the if you kill everybody, you better make sure you're not doing the same Avera. Yes, that's, the that's very... That he's doing is not, he's not doing any kind of anything which uh, out of that context would be considered evil in any way. So therefore, he's not... He, he, it's, it's, you're you're it's, saying reason why he could have done more and not be afraid of that. Yes, yes. But A, he was not of, and maybe he was nervous about your point, and B... He was trying at a time, remember, what's causing a lot of this of Adazars, we said by Achaz, and we'll see later by Yayaka, Rishus beyond the stratosphere, is we're not condoning it, 
and trying to over-explain it is, is not, uh, not going to be healthy either, but they were depressed almost. They had given up on Klai Yisrael and they had given up on anything that's going to work and they felt we're being traded in any way and therefore why bother, which was completely wrong, very destructive. He didn't want to create a mood that was feeding into that. He was trying to lift up the people trying to create a, a friendly atmosphere, and that's a very difficult thing to do. You try to do it with the people that are really friendly, and then at the end of the day, you have to know who your enemies are. That's a problem that still lingers today, even in the international scene. You know, there's a very difficult process of making peace. You have to know at what point that, realistically, we're not going to have peace, and if we don't have a show of strength, we're going to be in worse shape. That's uh, constantly being debated in America. Unfortunately for us, not being debated by our enemies. We're debating it, and therefore, <laughs> being soft on the issues, our enemies have no havamina. That, that's a mahalach, and that's why, in many cases, we're not winning yet. That's a problem. That's a problem in, in politics in general, and it's a, pr- a problem, lahavdil, in, in ruchnius. If uh, there are certain people are not going to change, you have to figure out what that percentage is and try to uh, get rid of it better in a friendly way. It doesn't always work. So, he made this takana. If you look at Rashi... Loyalu in tests, Loyalu Kainim Shekachu Babamas Lavarazar, Loyalu Oid Lasharis Al Mizbeach Hashem. So they're not doing that for anymore. Kiem Achlamatzis Kalaymer, Kiem Medavazel, Loyotzumukunasam. We're not going to canast them here. Shumutar Lachabakachim, Hare Henkebali Mumin, Cholkin Vaichlem. They can have a chalik of the meat and the various other things, the matzis and the various kabonas for Eichlin, Avaloy Makriven. Not just matzahs, not just menachas, any of the karbonas. So again, that was done for the sake of being makar of them and not being marachik them, and nobody criticizes that because that has to be figured out as you're trying to make a point. Uh, we're up to Pasuk but I want to go to the Pelayets. So Mitzvah Shem will continue that next week. We began, speaking of optimistic and upbeat, we began the entry of Chaim. Yesterday, we're on Reish Yud Aleph, and the Peleyayets, yesterday, I say it wasn't yesterday that he said it, but he did. It's when you read the work, he's talking to us. He said yesterday that if you want to live, the first thing you have to do is kill yourself. That was his opening line. And it means that in Gashmias, you've got to lower the level of the Gashmias to what you can handle on your Madrega. And the less you have a Gashmias in your Tanugim, and the less of a Mufunik you are, the more you'll be able to handle any situation in life when you have to go without, and you won't get bent out of shape and all the tumult and fall apart when you don't have all the things you're used to in your fancy lifestyle. And those who are used to things that are not necessary can't get unused to them very quickly very hard to lower the bar, and they can't really function when there is an up and down in the regular flow of life, whether it be financially, whether it be uh, wars, which hopefully we won't know of, but historically things went up and they went down, and the people who were tumafunuk survived less, and therefore if you sacrifice more when things are going well, you'll be able to live longer and healthier both in Olam and certainly for your Olam Haba, of what you're not getting used to. The Gashmias, we're all very Magushim, a thousand miles ahead of whatever they had years ago. Uh, we have to realize it still has an effect on our Ruchnias. He's pointing out that it's not good for your Olam Hazeh in terms of your health and your lifestyle. 
he's obviously understanding that we understand already it's a direct threat to Ruchnius. Famous Maisa with the Chavetz Chaim. This before the certain general figured out that cigarettes weren't healthy. But, uh, he stopped smoking. Everybody was smoking at a certain time. The Chavetz Chaim early on stopped smoking, and they asked him why. He didn't say it was the certain general said it's will say it's dangerous. Maybe that was part of his question, but he didn't uh, mention that. And he said, very simple. I once noticed how there was somebody, the Mesmedjish, who needed his fix, who needed a cigarette. Then you couldn't buy cigarettes straight. You had to make them. So I saw him going around. He had to borrow. Nobody had any money. He had to borrow the paper from him, and then he had to go get some tobacco, and then he had to roll it. And By the time he finished rolling and going and doing and smoking and everything, I finished seven blot. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't pay. So that's the, the direct result of running after Gashmi. If you don't have it, you've got to go get it. And if you've got to get it, it means you either got to make more money to get it, that already is going to be detrimental to the Eruchniyas, and then you've got to actually go and get it and enjoy it. Or you've got to go to the places where you fancy you didn't vacation yet and go enjoy it over there. And again, I'm not saying there's never room for this, and we, we have a certain madrega that uh, we're not going to reach at the moment, but Chavetz Chaim's story is very telling. Is it just on the, on the time spent running after these things he didn't want to have anything to do with it. So he'll say, well, now they could just buy the cigarette already made and just start smoking, and we solved that problem. But there's a different problem now. Uh, a certain general pointed that out. Let's go to the third paragraph on page Rach Yudalif. Uh, that's right. right. The more expensive it is, the better it is. But the problem is, a person who needs their fix, he will spend the money anyway. Come what? And then it will be required to spend time making that money. And that has a direct effect on time for learning, that's for sure. Now he wants to be uh, practical, practical for the Peleyes, though it means something else. He said, look, you have to uh, really, in a, in a perfect world, be totally rejecting Elam Hazer, does nothing. And there were Tzadik Elam and Lamed Vavniks who did just that. I feel the Tavasam and the Tavis came a hovel. Everything is hovel. Amnam, however, there are two things. I'll put in the, for us, the however is we're nowhere near that Madrigan. You've got to know how to start being Makabal Oma Choshamayim. Man Okay. You have to start cutting somewhere for us. And then he points out that you still have to love life. If you convince yourself that you're so moyes ba'ilam hazeh that it means so little that you're not careful about your health or you're not a person who takes every minute of life in Olamazeh seriously, that's the Yitzhahara talking. You can't come to a point and say, ah, Olamazeh, worth absolutely nothing and therefore why should I extend it? There are people who are, there are really depressed people who are going to talk like that. He says, that's not what we're getting to. It's quite the opposite. You should cling to life and love life more than anything else because one more minute, one more second will give you the ability to do one mitzvah and build a greater Olam Haba. And you can't trade that in for anything because you can't expand your Olam Haba once you're there. And you can only have that here. So life is precious. So when you talk about somebody who's being mayus by it means the frivolous things and the things that are not necessary and the things that are taking us away from the focus of our ruchnius 
which is all of Gashmias, much of what we need now because we're a creature of comfort and we, we need what we need, but and the avoid is to try to trim and certainly not raise the bar for your children, as he spoke about yesterday. Says that expression about two things, certainly about Alam Haba, because you can't do any mitzvahs there. We hope you have people you affected in a positive way and their mitzvahs are accruing to your account. That's the concept of the neshama, having some aliyah, but that's not any active part on the neshama's uh, uh, option. You can't raise that yourself. There are no self-propelling wings or engines. You're totally dependent on what you did already, and hopefully that'll have residual dividends. The second way it's used is, interestingly enough, referring to the Yemaisa Mashiach, that there might be, a, probably will be a Yitzhahara of sorts, but very cut down to size, and everything you do the Yemaisa Mashiach will be giving you scharbis, you still build a mazah, and we pass like Shmuel, I'm being actually Yemaisa Mashiach, Lashib and Machos Bavad, but life will be so much better and so much easier in terms of our ability to focus on Kedusha and Ruchni is that the Sechar will be less. The Nisayim will be less and the Sechar will be less. And people hear that, they say, why am I davening three times a day? Many times in Shemar the Mashiach. The answer is because we're not doing too well in Golis and you have to be worried first and foremost about the Golis Hashchina, which unfortunately in Armageddon we don't feel that much of a Sheikh is to, but it's there, you have to know about it. And the fact that there are many Yidin who are really not doing well at the situation the Klai Yisrael is in, and Gullus is not healthy and sometimes less healthy. But for the individual, it could be a little less schar, but there you have to want the Mashiach Lishma. His point is you don't want to die Lishma to get to Olam Haba quicker because every minute down here is precious and you can't replace it. We'll read just uh, two more lines. And therefore, we daven for life all the time, not just Yaman Narayim, because it's the most precious tool around. Gashmias and Neshama in your body, the only combination that can produce these mitzvahs. Interesting line. He says, you're not here to enjoy the chuppah of your children. What does that mean? So he says, obviously what he meant was, you're here to enjoy the chuppah of your children, and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. But the enjoyment is that you are producing Deirus Yisharim, who are following B'derech Yisrael Saba and keeping mitzvahs, and that's your nachas, and that's your investment, those will be your dividends. Not for the party of... We spoke about this one Shabbat Shuvah, I think it was first in the Aguda. Um, they, they had a poll, the happiest man in the world was some Orthodox Jewish gay in Hawaii. I guess he was mostly happy. The one thing he couldn't figure out is which day to keep Shabbos. Okay, that's a side problem. <laughs> I have to take a position if you live there, I guess. Uh, and it was interesting. See, he was a nice guy, and they interviewed him. I remember this. It's, uh, if I didn't repeat it recently, I get, get you to dig up the full article. A lot of Musa there. And uh, he spoke about family, family, family. I hope what he meant was the fact that, yes, you can get nachas and see, you can be machanach, and you'll see the mitzvahs, and this is your dividends and their dividends. The natural human condition is... And this is not the worst of me, this is the natural thing, is that no, it's all about my family and the family I want to see, the, the, the wedding and the, the party and the, this. That's what he's referring to over here. That's Hovel, Gelkol Hovel. Even that, the Chiddush, it's very stark. Koshkan, all the other things. Now, as part of the avoid is to make them happy and to enjoy time with them, part of the Chinuch process. But the end goal is not, look, they're so cute. And isn't it great that children and grandchildren, you can play on the floor with them and you can play, give them dolls, buy them dolls, according to what we spoke about on Shabbos, depending on which 
ones and all the wonderful things. That's a conduit to increasing terimitzus and Chayt Shemayim. That's not the be-all, end-all. That's not why you're here. That's still Gashmias, if that's all you're doing it for. That positive note to Mitzvah Shem, we will continue next week.